1: Coming up in just a bit, Chicago Teachers Union President Jesse Sharkey on the ongoing negotiations between CTU and CPS.
0: There's a contract for the school resource officers, the police. They've got a contract. There's contracts for the privatized cleaning services. They have contracts. Why can't we have a a contract which says we're going to get case managers to help with special education? We're going to get nurses and social workers.
1: But first, some Democrats have called for President Trump to be impeached for months. But recent reports that the president asked or promised inappropriate things in a call to the leader of Ukraine has finally prompted House Democrats to act.
2: The actions of the Trump presidency revealed the dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today... I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment
1: inquiry. That's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi yesterday. Today, we're unpacking the story with HuffPost reporter Arthur Delaney, who says the most damning evidence isn't coming from the media or from Democrats.
2: It's the president's own statements that have really made this a big story. Uh, There was a whistleblower complaint, and we were hearing that it had to do with the president's behavior toward a foreign country. Uh, And then it came out that it was Ukraine. And this complaint is being bottled up by the Trump administration. But then when he's asked about it, the president just says, yeah, I I was talking to the president of Ukraine. I I mentioned Joe Biden. He's basically admitting what had come out through unnamed sources that he had asked a foreign government to give him political dirt on one of his top 2020 rivals. And, And basically everybody's like, well, that's not okay his lawyer has also repeatedly confirmed the the basic contours of that. And Democrats aren't waiting around. They think this is enough to go ahead and and start their impeachment inquiry.
1: Now, President Trump has since backed off those statements saying that wasn't exactly what happened in the conversation. How, how, How has he changed that story?
2: Well, what he's insisting is that there was no quid pro quo. A major part of this is that the U.S. government was mysteriously withholding military assistance from ukraine this summer and people didn't know why that was happening and there's a question were you basically uh extorting them by saying do what i want give me dirt on joe biden and then i'll give you this money so that's what they're emphatically denying he is not uh so much denying the the fact that he asked the president about rooting out corruption and how that might have related to Joe Biden it's the quid pro quo they're hoping for, but you know the just the asking for political dirt part is is pretty damaging and possibly illegal you know federal campaign finance laws say you're not supposed to solicit or accept any assistance from a foreign government
1: How much do we know about the source of the whistleblower complaint?
2: We don't know anything at all about about who this is really, and th- there's a great story in The Washington Post yesterday about how many people within the intelligence community, don't know who it is and are, and are worried about what's going to come out. But the person has said through his lawyer that he wants to testify in Congress. And I think it will be another instance of will the White House try to prevent that from happening or, or will it proceed uh, the way Democrats want it to? They said that this could happen as soon as this week, uh, which could mean tomorrow.
1: Now, we heard a snippet of Speaker Pelosi. They are announcing uh, a formal impeachment inquiry. What else did she have to say when she made this announcement yesterday?
2: She said that what would happen is that the uh, six House committees that are already doing a lot of oversight of the Trump administration will basically continue to do that and will uh, submit their best impeachment material through the Judiciary Committee, which is the committee that traditionally handles impeachment inquiries. This is uh, a little different than what's happened in past instances where the House had a floor vote telling the Judiciary Committee to get started. They don't seem to actually have the votes for that right now. So Republicans are saying, well, you're eschewing this important step. But actually, the Constitution doesn't require it. It's just a tradition.
1: Well, yesterday we saw Illinois' senior Senator Dick Durbin join the call for an impeachment inquiry. Representative John Lewis of Georgia, the great civil rights leader who is sometimes called the conscience of the House, he joined as well. Let's take a listen to what Congressman Lewis said yesterday on the House floor. I have been patient
3: when we tried every other path and used every other tool. I truly believe The time to begin impeachment proceedings against this president
1: has come. Walk us through the last 24 to 48 hours. Why have so many Democrats changed their tune so quickly?
2: It's really the great simplicity of of what seems to have happened and the fact that Trump himself and his personal attorney keep confirming the details. It was on Sunday that the president said, uh, yeah, I talked about Joe Biden with the president, Of Ukraine. And since then, there's been a a drip drip of more announcements that Democrats favor impeachment. And yesterday, as it looked like Speaker Pelosi was really responding to this, she has resisted this. But then she started she put out a statement saying that if if this is true, you know, we're going to get really serious with our investigation. And I think that her signal caused uh, a lot more Democrats to come forward more than a dozen did yesterday. And so I, I think Speaker Pelosi's example is is uh I mean is causing more Democrats to to come off the fences. Like it seems like a lot of them have long thought that this is probably the right thing to do. But they didn't want to because it doesn't pull very well. It's not a, a popular proposition at this point.
1: on Twitter, President Trump called the impeachment inquiry, quote, more breaking news, witch hunt garbage. He also tweeted, in all caps, presidential harassment. He's striking a very defiant tone, and he said that this is a distraction. It'll take important time away from other legislative priorities. Does he have a point?
2: Well, there's a popular theory that impeaching the president would be a bad idea for House Democrats because it's divisive. This is what Nancy Pelosi used to always say. It's divisive. It'll rile up his base. But the way the president's acting uh, suggests to me, at least, that he doesn't really like what's happening. He reportedly – actually, Speaker Pelosi said yesterday that he called her in the morning yesterday on Tuesday and said, hey, you know, maybe we can call off this impeachment thing. We'll do gun legislation. And then the Trump administration said, OK, we're going to release a transcript of the president's call with President Zelensky of the Ukraine. And then they said, OK, you know, we're looking to provide the whistleblower report. So it appeared that they were making a bunch of concessions and it looks like the president is just personally upset. So I, I don't know about that conventional wisdom that this is like a gift to Trump.
1: That's Arthur Delaney. He's a congressional reporter for HuffPost. And we're talking about Speaker Nancy Pelosi's announcement yesterday of a formal impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. I want you to just walk us through the basics of the process here. Now that an impeachment inquiry has started, what does that actually mean? What happens next?
2: Well, like you said earlier, this hasn't happened a lot in American history. In the the past instances, uh, in 1974 and 1998, there was a House vote and then the Judiciary Committee did its investigation. And then a couple months later, later, they reported a bill to the floor and the House voted. And that's it. That's your impeachment. If the House votes to approve the resolution, simple majority, the president is then impeached. And that's like an indictment. That doesn't mean just because you've indicted, you're not going to jail. Just because you're impeached doesn't mean you're removed from office. What would happen next, according to the Constitution? would be a trial in the Senate where House Democrats come over and make their case and the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court presides. But there's some question uh, as to whether Senate Republicans will even go through with that. I I am not clear on whether they could really avoid it, but that's what they're being asked right now by reporters at the Capitol. And we're only beginning to get a sense of what Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's strategy would be. I, I think it would be more likely that they would just say, you know what? No, we don't. Uh, we don't convict the president and remove him from office. But a lot of Democrats think that that would still be valuable to do, to make Republicans, to put them on the spot.
1: That's Arthur Delaney. He's congressional reporter for HuffPost. Arthur, thanks for breaking this down for us.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Let's turn now to Democratic Congressman Brad Schneider. He represents Illinois's 10th congressional district, which includes a large swath of Lake County north of Chicago. Congressman, thank you for joining us.
3: Jenna, it's great to be with you.
1: What was your reaction when you learned that House Speaker Pelosi now supports a formal impeachment inquiry?
3: I think she's making the right decision. When news of this uh, conversation broke last week, uh, what we're talking about today is something entirely different than anything we've been talking about before. Uh, For one thing, we're talking about something that is in the present and and looking forward to the, the next election. It's not a candidate. It is now the president of the United States, and it's the president of the United States Coordinating U.S. national security interests to pursue or protect his own political and personal interests. So this is something entirely different. I think the speaker is doing the right thing by moving forward with impeachment proceedings.
1: I want you to take us a, a, a few months back. You were one of many Democrats in Congress who came out in support of an impeachment inquiry in recent months. You made your announcement at the end of last month. That was about a month after special counsel Robert Mueller testified before Congress. What initially sparked that decision for you?
3: So the decision last month was based on the Trump administration uh, stonewalling, signing the, the investigation. I believe in process. I believe the Constitution, the founders laid out a, a clear process. That's why I, I wanted to see the conclusion of the Mueller report before making any decisions. Uh, within the Mueller report, he did not draw explicit conclusions but left loose ends for Congress to continue its investigation. Congress has not only congressional authority but the right and responsibility to finish those investigations, and the administration was was blocking that. Uh, by the time we got to the end of July and it was clear that the administration was, not, was going to try to play out the clock, uh, I called for raising the level of, uh, of inquiry to a formal impeachment uh, inquiry.
1: Well, the New York Times reporting in just the past few minutes that the White House has released a transcript of the call with the president of Ukraine. In that transcript, we see Trump telling him to work with Attorney General William Barr to investigate Joe Biden. What's your reaction to that?
3: Well, I haven't seen the letter. I did see the headline, and, and this was my concern. Again, the, the facts are not in question here. The president of the United States And his personal attorney had already said that he spoke to the president, President Zelensky of Ukraine, asking him to help with his political agenda, putting the interests of the nation behind the interests of of his political aspirations. Uh, This is what uh, I think people are so upset about.
1: Congressman, in your mind, is what the president has done allegedly with Ukraine more concerning than what we learned about from the Mueller report?
3: Absolutely. Because, again, it is the president of the United States with all all of the resources of the United States um, using congressionally uh, appropriated funds for the defense of an ally uh, to try to pressure that ally ally for his own personal gain.
1: What do you say to Republican voters in your district who say this impeachment inquiry is a waste of time or or they feel it's a distraction?
3: So I'll say the same thing to everybody, Republican, Democrat or independent. This is a matter of national security president of the United States has subordinated national security for his own personal political gain. And I don't care whether that's a Republican president or a Democratic president. uh, The Congress has a responsibility to hold anyone to account who is uh, failing to uphold their oath to the Constitution, failing to defend the Constitution, and failing to put the American people's interests foremost front and center.
1: As we said, this is an impeachment inquiry. At this point, though, do you feel you know enough to vote to impeach President Trump?
3: Well, I think we have to proceed forward and, and get all of the information. The facts, we do know that uh, the president has publicly said he had this conversation. Today David saw the release of the transcript, and I will study that. Uh, that in and of itself rises to the level of an impeachable offense. Uh, before I would vote on anything, I want to see what the ultimate articles of impeachment are. But I do believe we need to begin uh, developing them and, and making the case. The, the impeachment, as the uh, earlier speaker said, is analogous to an indictment ultimately there would be a hearing within the Senate. The president would be able to make his case in front of a jury of 100 senators, and they'll make the ultimate conclusion.
1: That's Democratic Congressman Brad Schneider. He represents Illinois' 10th congressional district, which includes a large swath of Lake County north of Chicago. Congressman, thank you for speaking with us.
3: Jen, thank you. Anytime.
1: Members of the Chicago Teachers Union started voting yesterday on whether to authorize a strike. This comes after months of tense contract negotiations with Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Chicago Public Schools. The CTU rallied last night at its headquarters on Chicago's west side, pushing for a new contract that substantially reduces class sizes and addresses shortages of nurses and librarians. The group was joined by other union workers poised for a possible strike in the city and the region, with a special appearance by Democratic presidential candidate and U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders. I think that the Chicago school board should be very nervous. And I want to thank all of you, staff and teachers,
3: for becoming the conscience of the United States
1: of America. The strike vote continues through tomorrow, and if 75% of the union vote yes, teachers could walk out as early as next month. Joining me now in studio with the latest on the situation is Chicago Teachers Union President Jesse Sharkey. Jesse, welcome back to the program.
0: Jen, thanks for having me on.
1: So before we talk about the strike vote, remind us what the major sticking points for CTU are.
0: This contract is really, for us, about a lot more than just money and benefits. I mean, we care about those things because we think that staff who work in the schools should be treated with dignity and respect. But really, we care about critical staffing shortages. So many many Chicago public schools have a nurse only one day a week. We want a nurse in every school every day a week. Uh, we'd like to see social workers in our schools to deal with trauma. We need special education staffing. So, so staffing shortages are, are a big deal for us. We also want to see some enforceable limits on class size and classes to get smaller. So we care a lot about the working and learning conditions in our schools as well.
1: Well, an independent fact-finder's report ruled in favor of the district's largest uh, latest proposal rather which Mayor Lightfoot said would be one of the largest increases in CTU history. The union rejected this report. What were you dissatisfied with?
0: The report only dealt with three issues: pay, benefits, and how long the contract should be. And and as we've said publicly, this is really about a lot more to us than just paying benefits. We view this as the best opportunity that we've had in a generation to improve the quality of schools, both for the people who work in them and for the people who rely on public school to educate their children.
1: But you did take issue with the pay and benefits that were offered up in that report, correct? Correct.
0: Uh, we, we still think we're not quite there yet. Uh, the the report offered a 16% raise over five years. Our union is asking for 15% over three years. And some of your listeners are going to say that doesn't sound like such a huge difference. But the reality of it is we view all these things as connected, that we obviously we, – we care about paying benefits. Those are something that we're going to keep bargaining about. Uh, And we're not going to settle on those issues until we have an overall package that represents the kind of schools that we'd like to see for us and our children.
1: Well, as we mentioned earlier, the strike vote started yesterday and CTU held a labor rally last night. Tell us a little more about what happened there.
0: It was an exciting rally. Um, Bernie Sanders came in. Obviously, that brings national attention. And I I think that what Bernie has uh, uh, epitomized in this country is he's been able to shine a spotlight on economic inequality and the degree to which the system isn't delivering for a whole section of people at the bottom of our society. Um, There's a way in which that aligns with what we're saying needs to happen in the schools. We have to remember the school's budget and the city budget aren't the same. So you had reasonably healthy city budgets, but the schools are on the brink of insolvency. And we saw tremendous cuts in the schools. We've seen pay freezes and furloughs uh, for the staff. But then we've seen layoffs to a point where we have hundreds of unfilled special education positions. And special education in the city of Chicago had to be taken over by a state monitor. So we're saying this is – it's analogous in a way. Like like the same issues that he's talking about on a national scale, we're talking about on a local scale.
1: Well, Chicago Park District, represented by SEIU Local 73, announced – They've authorized a strike. Talk about that a bit more and how it fits into what's happening with CTU.
0: There's coming together several important sort of labor struggles right now in the city of Chicago. The people who do the park district work are without a contract, and they just authorized a potential strike. That could happen in mid-October. Also, the people who SCIU represents who work in the school buildings, security guards, bus aides, special education classroom assistants, those folks have been without a contract for an entire year. And they would also be able to strike as early as October 17th. And then, of course, in addition to that, you've got the teachers. And our contract expired at the end of last year. So the kinds of things which we're demanding have all kind of come together. And this is sort of a moment of truth, if you will, for the question of the schools and for the new mayor.
1: If CTU authorizes a strike, is it possible that that strike could coincide with the SEIU strike? And what would that mean for kids?
0: It is possible. I mean, I'd say it would be likely. That is, if we're unable to settle, there are going to be similar issues that are going on with the other unions. And the implication is that, uh, you know, a CTU strike, um, and if it were together with the other strikes, it would mean that. there'd be a generalized political crisis in the city it would be difficult to to figure how you'd be able to run schools without any of the support staff that that do that work so i mean i think it raises the stakes for us at the bargaining table i mean we're trying to get an agreement without a strike obviously that's our preference However, for the mayor as well, it raises stakes because because the, the consequences of not bargaining seriously, not, not putting some of the things that she's promised into writing, um, you know, it means that there could be a crisis in the city.
1: Well, for parents who are listening and are becoming concerned about what it means for their kids if – The teachers' union, SEIU, all go on strike at the same time. What do you say to them? Well, I
0: mean, I'm a parent myself. The vice president of our union has got three kids in in schools. And so these are deep concerns. And first I would would tell them to know that we're working hard at the table and that we're trying to avoid a strike. I would also ask the parents to think about the long-term needs of the school system. We've seen schools that have been uh, rocked by austerity, that have lived through really difficult budget times. When the legislature put a billion dollars a year of extra funding into the schools in August of 17, we really want to make sure that funding finds its way into the classrooms. So what we view as at stake in in this contract is uh, really hopefully a transformation of our public schools – we have a mayor who promised equity, who promised basic educational supports in transforming neighborhood schools. And so this is a chance to get that in writing and, and lock in those changes. So potentially, we could really accomplish great things in the schools. If we can't get that, yeah, it could potentially be a, a very a difficult fight. And we'd hope that parents would support those of us um, in the labor movement who are, trying to, um, who, are, who are trying to transform our schools.
1: Do you think you have the votes right now to authorize a strike?
0: I do think that there's enough sentiment inside of our membership. Bargaining has been frustrating. Uh, there's been, there, it's gotten a slow start you know, the mayor's election. But then the mayor put in place a team of people who've been bargaining contracts for the city and for the schools in particular for the last two decades. So the, the look at the table has not really matched the rhetoric, the political rhetoric. So I do think it's likely that this vote will, will be authorized.
1: If it's not authorized, what position does that play CTU in?
0: Well, if it's not authorized, then I, I think it's a sign that our membership is saying, take the deal that's being offered.
1: That's CTU President Jesse Sharkey. Thanks for speaking with us.
0: Thanks very much for having me on.
1: And that's today's Morning Shift. Come back again tomorrow for more great conversations about your neighborhood, your city, and your world. Until then, I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon.